Welcome to the MWC Church Podcast. MWC Church is a place where you can belong, believe, and become the person God's created you to be. Thanks for joining us online. So good to see you guys. 2019 is going to be incredible. Um, our, our enhanced MWC is going on. If you were here during Christmas, there was a little present that we gave everybody. You can get a sneak peek. It's not, it's not completed yet. We're, we're not even, uh, we're close, but it, this is the part where it begins feeling like it's dragging on because now we got to fill that place. We got the walls up and now we're just trying to fill the rooms and fill the spaces and, and do things like that. There's a lot of progress and I'll give reports as they come. Uh, the date that we're looking at is, is the, the early, uh, early March is when we're looking to launch. So definitely before Easter weekend um, and it's... It's, it's going good. Um, been able to pray through that, elders and uh, the staff. We've just been, I've been praying just about everything God is doing that. Pray, pray for it as well. Um, God is going to do, we are going to reach a new level of ministry that we have never seen as a church before. I believe that. Um, and it has nothing to do with me or any individuals. This is strictly speaking because God is doing a new thing and we're trusting him to this. So uh, pray, pray, pray for what the Lord is doing. We are entering an incredible season. I think uh, Brooke being the one to lead our, our, our uh, kids is going to be phenomenal. Um, and then we even brought Pastor Justin and, all, and everything that's happening in 2019. It's just like God is priming us for some, some new adventures. Uh, pastor Justin being the executive, the, the details individual on staff and pastor, and then uh, even the addition of Chris Basildua and Jacob, tag teaming media, doing an incredible job with that. Like God is just doing some incredible stuff. Uh, we are revamping to reach a new generation uh, in, in the city of Wichita. And uh, this is for all of us. This isn't for one demographic or one age group or somebody who has kids or like this is one church. We always want to be a church that extends belonging to everyone. We are not going to say we're going to be a younger church. You got to wear skinny jeans to come. Like, that's not our heart. Uh, you got to look this way or talk this way or dress this way. Like, like, we are one body. We extend belonging to all people, and we are doing this together. That's a great, that's a great spot for amen. Yes. Yes, we're doing this together. So, uh, man, I'm super excited about what God's going to do. Let's go ahead and jump into our message this morning. Let me ask you this question. How many of you, let's, let's strip down the, the basics of the word of God. Let's go down to the bedrock, the foundational truth. How many of you are thankful for a God who loves us? Uh, I think sometimes we, 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 get too, we get too busy and, we, and we, get, we, we, we muddle the waters of the simple gospel and, and we forget the, the reality that we serve a God who is all powerful and yet still loves us. Has, has that ever like, has it ever just blown your mind? Let, allow your mind to be blown this morning. We serve a God who has created everything with a word, who, who has breathed, who's breathed life into us, created all things that you can possibly comprehend, absolutely powerful, is the only individual, the only being that can create something from nothing. It is only God. He is absolutely powerful, and yet he loves us. And when I was a a seeker, before I became a believer, when I was still seeking out, and, and by the way, if you're someone who's seeking, if you're questioning, if you have doubts about even God's existence, this is a church for you. I went to a church that, that allowed me to, to wrestle and, and, and figure things out and ask questions and sometimes even debate with the pastor, and they still love me through it, and uh, the pastor was patient with me and, and, and calm with me. I had an incredible youth pastor, and, and uh, I just remember having these doubts of, of God. I, I completely believed at that time that, that there was a God. I believed that there was a God 
Uh, I was not atheist at the time. I was probably agnostic. I, I believe there could have been a God or there probably was a God that he was, if there was a God, he was a, a creator. He was a, a very powerful, uh, like just a, a science-minded God. He can create crazy things. And it, I just didn't believe what science was actually telling me that, that there was, is no God and that all this happened just by happenstance. And it just, the math didn't add up to me. So I was like, ah, oh, it's, it's hard for me to understand it. So I believed in a God, but I didn't believe that he loved me. Right? I believe that he was powerful, that, that he has done some incredible things, or, or she, I, this is, you gotta remember where I was, he or she, or whatever it was, like, it's powerful, he's powerful, but I, I didn't believe that he could, could love me. There, there's no way, I mean, it just, to, for him to be so, you know, scientifically uh, omnipotent and omniscient, and, and yet to still have a concern with my life, I was just like, there, there, there's no way. But the more and more I began to get closer to God and to ask him, to reveal himself to me, I started to see through his revelation towards me that he does love me, that he's not just some creator, some, some mind, some sentient being that created the cosmos and, and now allows me to, to frolic around this planet. No, he loves me. Friend, he loves you. Yes, we serve a God who is matchless in power, absolutely omnipotent. There, there is nothing that God can't do, absolutely matchless in power, but the only thing that matches his power is his love for us. Can that blow your mind for a second? The only thing that matches his love or his power is his love for you. This is our God. We see this revealed in scripture in Jeremiah chapter 29, starting verse 11. I, we, many of us have heard this, this passage. You could probably memorize it. It's probably on your refrigerator right now. Jeremiah 29, 11. I want to read this to you really quick. It says this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Now the Lord is speaking to the nation of, of Judah. They are about to be taken over by the nation of Babylon. They're going to be taken over and held captive by Babylon for about 50 years. And, and the Lord is proclaiming, I'm going to allow this to befall you. I'm going to allow this, this, this devastation to take over because you, have, you want nothing to do with me as a nation any longer. So I'm going to allow this to happen. But there will come a day where I will come back and, and, and bring you back to me. Like this is our God. He doesn't just discipline out of anger. He disciplines to teach a lesson. He gives us up to what our hearts desire. But he is always on the pursuit. This is the love of God. If you feel like you have been running from God and you feel like the circumstances in your life are keeping you at an arm's length, I'm here to tell you that God loves you so much that he brought you here this morning as another way, as a means to bring you closer to him. He loves you and he will pursue you. Amen? So now the Lord is declaring this through Jeremiah the prophet to the nation of Israel, and I believe we can apply this to our lives, he is giving them this promise. He says this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope in a future. Um, God does want to do good things to us. God does want goodness to, to be in our lives. He does want us to prosper. He, he doesn't want harm for you. Like, like God is not in heaven just looking for a way to throw a lightning bolt into your life. He, he wants, he's a good father, and he genuinely wants to bless you. Now, there have been some in, in Christianity who have muddled this idea of prosperity, and they have, they have conveyed it to mean that, that you deserve a Bentley in your driveway. Right, and uh, I, I don't know if anybody, does anybody have a Bentley? If you do, just give me a ride. You don't have to raise your hand. Just let me know after church. Like, I love to get a ride in a Bentley. Uh, actually, I think there is somebody who does. Pastor Justin has a son named Bentley, so I guess you do have a, a Bentley in your driveway from time to time. But he's the only one, right? 
So, so I don't want the prosperity gospel to kind of twist what, what this means. Like God does want to prosper us. He doesn't want us to, 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 to be living in, 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 just in ways that are just for our detriment. He wants to bless us. He, he's a good father. How many of you this Christmas gave your children coal? How many of you wanted to give your children coal? But you didn't do it. Why? Because you are good, right? Now, now if you who are capable of evil are, are able to give good gifts, how much more will your heavenly Father, who is not capable of evil, give good gifts to those who ask him? Give good gifts, give especially the Holy Spirit to those who ask of him. So our God is a good God. He wants to bless you. He wants you to prosper. He doesn't want harm to befall you. We see himself declaring this through the prophet uh, Jeremiah. So plans to give you a hope in a future. Even if he didn't prosper us, and even if, 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 his, if his plan wasn't to harm us. He has given us a hope and a future. There is a silver lining. There is a something that we can hang our hats on and say, this is where the Lord has taken me. So he has these plans for us. But then look what it says. This is what I, I love. So I, I, I hate when we stop at verse 11, but I love when we continue on to verse 12 and 13. Because look at, at the result. What should be our response? And this is where we leave the prosperity gospel. What should be our response from the blessings that God gives us? Then, everybody say then, as a result of that blessing, then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. He listens to us. You know what I love? That God doesn't first say, if you call on me, and then if, if, if you come to me and pray to me, then I will give you good things. No, no, no. He's like, listen, I'm so good that I will bless you in the hopes that you will come to me. This is why the Bible says that the rains fall on the evil and the just. God is good. So if you've bought into this idea that God only blesses me if I'm doing good, you, you don't understand. Like, will he bless you for doing good? Yeah. But does he only bless you? No. Some of you are living filthy rich and haven't done anything for the kingdom. But our God is still good. Amen. And his result for that blessing, his desire, your response should be, then I will seek him and he will listen to us. And this is what I love. Verse 13. You will seek me. And find me when you seek me with all of your all. I believe that there is another truth that we can extract from that passage. It is possible to seek the Lord half-heartedly. Maybe you and I have been guilty from time to time of seeking the Lord half-heartedly. Maybe we come to church, you know, we showered and that, that's enough. We're like, oh, at least I'm here. Worship is something that we drag through. Pastor, oh, another 35, come on. You said you were going to be done 10 minutes ago, right? Like, sometimes we, we, we drag through this. It's possible to worship him half-heartedly, but his desire, because he's a good God, he wants us to seek him with all of our heart. And what happens when we do? We will find him. In 2019, my prayer, my hope for all of us, the goal that I have set for this church is that we would be a church that seeks after the name and the person of Jesus and finds him. Amen. And every encounter and every time that we gather, we have moments of intimacy with God that he speaks things through you, not just through me, but, but to you and through you to others. That we would be a church that is, man, a city on a hill that people would drive past, past this place and say, I got to pull in that miraculously people would be just drawn to the magnet of the Holy Spirit that is drawing them here. Amen. That is my prayer for this church. That is why I'm fasting in 2019 because I want this place to be the greatest place it's ever been. I want this church to be the easiest place for people to fall in love with Jesus. Amen. And how does it start? 
when we seek him with all of our hearts. Blessings aside, they're there and he's good. I don't need that blessing to seek after him though. But when we seek him with all of our heart, we will find him. So how are we doing that? The Daniel fast. The Daniel fast. Everybody say the Daniel fast. Daniel fast. I remember doing this last year. We've been doing this at the beginning of every year. And uh, last year uh, was the first time we did it. The first time we did it as a a church. And it was uh, incredible. God did some amazing things. Like uh, long story short, and I'm sure I'll share it through through our weeks together in the Daniel fast. But uh, through that, God gave us a daughter. Just crazy, crazy circumstances that happened and unfolded through the Daniel fast. That I believe if it wasn't for Daniel fast and if it wasn't for even community groups like this would have never happened. Like God just did some incredible things. I have a daughter. This is awesome. Uh, I never thought I'd have a daughter, but I have one. Uh, I've, in fact, I remember that there was times where I was praying, Lord, uh, I don't want a daughter. God, I'm terrified. Right? Like I had a girl cousin and she terrified me. So I just pray, God, give me sons, give me sons. The Lord gave me one son, gave me a second son. And, uh, you know, we had the privilege of last year, we're walking through this now of, of fostering to adopt a baby girl. And she is, she's got me wrapped around her finger. And there's things that I'm doing and things that I'm saying that I never even thought possible. Like, I have these out-of-body experiences. I'm like, dude, who are you? What, what are you doing right now, right? Like, give me your man card. Stop this. <laughs> but I'd happily give it up. The Daniel Fast started that. And I'll share some of that, I'm sure, in a couple of, couple of weeks, the next couple of weeks. But I remember the Daniel Fast was difficult. And I, and I remember recall, recalling specifically, like, like, the benefits were there. The blessings came. And God did some powerful, powerful things. But, but in the middle of it, as, as I was fasting, I remember there were times where I would literally wake up because my body was detoxifying. And, and literally, there was muscular atrophy happening. And my brain was eating itself out of just, like, needing some meat. Like, there was one time where I woke up in the middle of the night. And I thought to myself, you could really use a hostess cupcake. Not the chocolate one, the golden one. The one for winners, you, you need that one. And I just get, I got out of bed and I start walking to the kitchen and, I, and I'm not even like, I'm just like in this catatonic like state. I'm just like walking and drudging, like kind of like zombie-like and I open up the cabinet and, and we don't have hostess cupcakes in our house. Like not because we're super healthy, but because we care about this, the, the, the health of our marriage. And we know that if we allow cupcakes to come into our marriage, that, that there's going to be some division. So we don't even allow those in our home. Um, we're not healthy. We just don't allow them into our home. So I, I open up the cabinet. And, and, I, and in my brain, I'm just thinking, like, there's a cupcake in here somewhere. I'm just, like, shuffling through this. And I, and I find a box, and I open up the box, and there's nothing in there. It was like the Holy Spirit was just, like, slapping me upside the head, reminding me what I was doing. I was walking to the kitchen, and I, and I pulled out, in one of the cabinets, I pulled one of these out. But it was empty. And uh, I remember thinking to myself, I'll throw this box here. I remember thinking to myself, man, if only there was a, a hostess cupcake in here. Uh, and uh, there wasn't, and then I thanked the Lord, and I repented of my, my, my desires there. Uh, but today, is anybody desiring a golden hostess cupcake? I got a fresh box here that I would like to share. Okay, I see that hand. Here you go. Anybody else? I've got eight to share. Ron, here you go. Ron, you deserve one. Uh, any, anybody else? Okay, here, I don't, I don't have many, so uh, I, I, you know what they say, like, if you don't have enough for the whole class, but hey, so really quick, I have about... Um, I have three left. Is anybody doing the Daniel fast for the first time? First time. First time Daniel fasters. Okay, yes. Is, okay, is anyone, is anyone saying, I'll do the Daniel fast if you give me a cupcake? <laughs> Back there? Right? Okay, I see that hand. Everybody turn and look to this gentleman. Oh, put that hand right down. Look at that. Look at that. I caught up here. Ryan, take this. Ready? Please, everybody, I'm going to throw this, okay? Sorry, it's the sun. That was always my excuse in Little League. Anybody else? 
Johnny, you're a fighter. You need that. The Daniel fast. May this gold... Oh, I should have saved one for myself. That's right. I'll go to Dylan's. We got till midnight. Um, may the nectar from the fruit of that golden cupcake sustain you for the next 21 days. Okay? Guys, I, I, I promise you, this Daniel fast, it, it is going to change things. God is going to do some powerful things through you and in your life. He's going to do, bring some incredible breakthrough. I promise you this. There was a time when I was in college that um, I had to get blood work done. I, I forget for what reason, but I was in college, and I drove myself to the doctor, and I was getting some blood work done. And uh, the, the nurse asked me, um, you know, they ask as they're checking you in, have you been fasting? To which I responded, it is none of your business, <laughs> right? Like, um, I, I didn't understand that sometimes when you, do, when you give blood and, or, or when you're taking some blood tests and giving blood work that, uh, that they ask you to fast beforehand. And, and the purpose of that is so that nothing will taint your system as they're looking to the results of what your body is like, that there, there are foods that will influence and, and shift what is really happening on the inside. Friends, when you and I fast, just like medically, when you and I fast, we are allowing things in our lives to come to the surface and see the way things really are. When you and I fast, fasting spiritually will help us gain understanding of what's happening in our hearts. We will become much more aware of what's happening in our lives and an accurate picture of where we are with our relationship with God. Fasting is incredible. When you look through the scriptures, you will see that there are three kinds of fast. There is an absolute fast, which is a fast that, that is um, abstaining from food and water, they, that we only see this happening for three days in the Bible. So an, a, a complete abstaining from food and water there is a normal fast, which is abstaining from food and allowing some water. You'll, you'll drink water or some liquids or fruit juices. We've seen that in scripture. And then there's also a partial fast. A partial fast is, is the allowance of some food and some waters or some, some liquids. And uh, in the Old Testament, we always see that people fasted for one of three reasons. They either, and they were usually negative reasons. They either fasted because they were trying to avoid the wrath of God. They were trying to change the heart of God. And as a sign of repentance, they, they, they believed that they would somehow change the, the shift, the focus of God, and, and God would relent from the wrath that he was about to bring upon a specific nation or people group. We also see that, that they would fast to prevent some natural calamity. Maybe it was a drought or a storm that was coming or looming above them. Uh, they would fast and they would pray and, and, then, and then the storms would go away. Or we also see that there were instances of people fasting individually uh, in, in the means to also shift the heart of God. We see this when David and Bathsheba, when David committed that sin of adultery and uh, murder Uzziah, the, 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 wife, or the husband of, of uh, Bathsheba, and there was a child from there, and they lost the child, and David goes to the temple, and he's, he's pleading with the Lord to spare the life of this child, and, and, and God did not relent from that. Now, we see different instances, and they're always negative, but I'm here to tell you that the reason why we fast for today is a little different than what we've seen in the Old Testament. Specifically, we do not fast to atone for sin, we do not fast as a means to discipline ourselves as a form of aestheticism to say, I'm going to pay for the reward of 2019 and I'm going to punish myself for 2018. That is not why we fast. If you are fasting because you are trying to atone or make up for or, or to get some coinage that you can spend later on in the year, you are fasting for the wrong reasons. We don't fast the way they did in the Old Testament because Jesus has already accomplished everything. In Hebrews chapter 10, it tells us this. 
Hebrews chapter 10, it says, he, being Jesus, cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. Everybody say, two covenants. When you look at the scale of scripture, when you look at at the timeline of, of human existence, there has always been two covenants in place between the relationship of God and man. The first covenant was, was every time you fail, first the Lord was faithful and, and holy, and he said, these are my laws. Every time you break them, these are the result. You offer up a sacrifice, whether it's a lamb or a grain offering or an incense offering, there, there is ways. If, if you did this, then you gotta match it with this kind of offering. If you did this, you gotta match it with this kind of offering. It was, it was tit for tat, but, but, but what the scripture t- tells us is that neither one of those offerings or sacrifices would ever atone or make up for sin. In fact, it would not even wipe away the guilt of that sin. It would just buy them some time. And that was the first covenant. It was put in place to show the people that there is nothing they could do to atone for sin. And then look what the writer of Hebrews tells us. So Jesus canceled the first covenant. Or, or he accomplished or completely finished or resolved every outstanding debt with the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all time. The only reason why God instituted the sacrificial system was to point us to the future that he would one day provide what we could not do. We could not pay for our sins through the blood of lambs and we could not atone for our wrongdoing because of goats and, and sacrificing things. It was only God himself who could atone for us. So he would provide that in the form of a bodily, perfect, spotless lamb, the son of God, Jesus Christ. So under the old covenant, it says here, verse 11, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest, Jesus, it says here, offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time, for all time. So friends, I wanna be clear, we're not fasting to atone for anything. We're not fasting to twist the arm of God. Why are we fasting in the New Testament and under the new covenant, why do we fast? We fast because we wanna draw near to God. He doesn't, command us to fast. There is nowhere in scripture. Jesus in the New Testament does not command anyone to fast. Did you ever know that? He doesn't say that, that, that if you want to be a follower of mine, you must fast. There's never a command that we see in scripture. However, Jesus did indicate, although it would not be a command, that fasting would be a part of every Christian's life. Everyone who is desiring to draw closer to God would one day fast or regularly fast. We see this just in Matthew's gospel alone. I don't want to read the whole passage, but look what we see. Verse six, chapter six, verse 16. When you fast, Jesus doesn't say if you fast. Verse 17 says the exact same thing. When you fast. The difference between the word when and the difference between the word if is this. When or I'll start with if. If is a conditional statement. When is not. Jesus always understood that there would be a sign of worship, a sign of of personal focus, of of refocus, and it would be a sign of fasting and prayer. Now, I want to be clear. Fasting by itself 
If you are just fasting, you're dieting. The moment fasting becomes what God has called us to do is when fasting is coupled with prayer. So we fast and pray, fast and pray. If you're just fasting without prayer, you are just dieting. As a church, we are fasting and praying. The 9th, the 16th, the 23rd, I want you to join us every Wednesday if you can. Join us for prayer and fasting. So Jesus never commanded us to fast, but he believed that it would be a sign of believers. Look what he says also in in chapter 9, verse 14 and 15. Then John's disciples came and asked him, how is it that we and the Pharisees fast so often? So they're literally bringing up a list of, man, Jesus, we're fasting so much, and you and your disciples aren't fasting at all. And Jesus answered, how can the guest of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? So they're saying, this is a, a time of feasting. I'm here. Like all of, all of human existence has been waiting for this very moment, and I'm here. They're not going to fast now. They don't fast at a wedding. That's ridiculous. But look what he says. The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, then they will fast. Has the bridegroom been taken from us? And is he now sitting at the right hand of the Father? Yes. Will he come a day? Will there come a day where he will come again and bring us to him? Absolutely. Will we fast in heaven? No way. Thank God. Like there is golden cupcakes for everyone. I think you like go to bed and you wake up in the morning and there's a golden cupcake on your pillow. But now, as we wait for the return of our bridegroom, as we find ourselves in this world with a mission, with a focus, with a purpose to win as many people to Jesus, we need something. We need power. We need the Holy Spirit. And I promise you this, during the Daniel fast, you will experience every bit of that. Did you know this? Before Jesus ever even started his ministry, in Matthew chapter 4, the Bible says that he was baptized. And as he came over the waters, it says that the Spirit of the Lord led him into the wilderness to fast for 40 days. Jesus fasted before his ministry. At the very end of that fast, it said that he was full of the Holy Spirit. If Jesus who was always full of the Spirit, who was always God, fasted to draw near to his Father, how much more do I, a leaky vessel, need to spend time in prayer and fasting? Friends, we need this. Now, if there's something keeping you back, maybe for you, you're afraid of of what you're going to lose. It's hard. I'll be honest. It's it's hard. Maybe for you, you're just like, "Ah, man, I haven't gone a day without meat. Maybe you were like me last night. You know what I had for dinner? I went home. My wife's like, hey, there's chili, and I made hamburgers. I got a big old, like three slices of bread, put three hamburger patties and threw some chili on that, and I'm like, dear Jesus, I'm ready for this Daniel fast. <laughs> maybe, you, maybe, that's, maybe you just love meat. But I'm here to tell you the Daniel fast is not about what you are going to lose, but so much more about what you will gain. When I look at the word of God, when I see Daniel 10, maybe you're like, what is the Daniel fast? Where do we get this in scripture? In Daniel chapter, actually it's two times in Daniel's uh, prophecy. In Daniel chapter one, we see there's an instance where Babylon has already come and taken the children of Israel. Um, And uh, they are now living in Babylon. And the, the king, Nebuchadnezzar, is trying to shift the heart of the people away from God and towards the king. 
you got to remember that the kings at this time, unless they were a king in Israel or Judah, they, they saw themselves as deity. They saw themselves as divine, and they demanded, commanded the worship of the people. So Nebuchadnezzar is trying to change the hearts of the children, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, trying to change them from looking to God as their sole source, their provider, and looking towards Nebuchadnezzar. So Nebuchadnezzar says this, give them the choicest of meats, give them the richest of meats, fill their bellies with the best food. I am now their provider. I am now their God. And Daniel, 13 years old, said, my heart belongs to the Lord. He is my provider. How about we do this? He's very faithful, very loyal to the Lord and also respectful of his governing authorities. He said this, test us for a couple of days. Feed us nothing but vegetables, vegetables and water. And then compare us to those who have been on the diet that you have provided, Nebuchadnezzar, and see whose God provided their health better. At the end of that time, it was probably a matter of 10 days, they come together and in some odd reason, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were just healthier looking and more vi- just full of vitality and vigor and they were stronger and, and even more wise than they were. So the Daniel fast partially is something we do to say the Lord is our sustenance. We don't need all this food. Jesus even said when when the devil tempted him in the wilderness as he was fasting that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word of God. He was saying to the devil, devil, if, if I was just a natural, physical figure, if I didn't have a spirit and a soul, then maybe perhaps I would just live on bread. But I'm more than just a physical body. I have a spirit and a soul. And the only way that my spirit and my soul is nourished is through the word of God. It's through the presence of God. So in those 40 days, I don't need food. I am being nourished by my heavenly father. When we fast, we are saying the exact same thing. Lord, you are my provider. Lord, you are the one that fills me up. And what does the Bible promise us? If we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. When we turn away from our own desires and say, Jesus, you are all my heart desires, he gives us himself. He fills us up. I love what the word tells us. So I I want you to understand one, friends, God loves you and he wants to bless you. Look what Hebrews tells us. Hebrews 11, 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. It is impossible to please God without faith. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. There is a promise that we can hold on to during this Daniel fast, that if we are setting aside our own personal desires, our diets, what have you, and focusing on the Lord, he will reward us. And what does that reward look like? Biblically speaking, what is the reward of the Daniel fast look like? You better believe God is going to bring breakthrough in your life. You will see doors of opportunity open that you cannot open without him. He is going to reveal things to you about yourself, but also about situations. If you have experienced a 2018 where you just were dragging through it, Maybe you find yourself in a place where you're trying to make a decision. Do I do this or do I do that? Do I send my kids to this school? Do we buy this house? Whatever have you, I don't want to make any life decision without the presence and the voice of God. As a church, we know that the Lord is priming us for some incredible opportunities for ministry to reach people. I mean, just simply the the, the building campaign. But I would not step foot into that building campaign until we have prayed and fasted. 
Who's qualified for this? My heart and my prayer is that we would all feel called to this. That this would not be just an option for some of us. But I am so fully convinced that God has a special anointing for you, that God has a special desire to meet with you and to bless you and to speak to you and to what happens but also when we fast, sin is stripped away in our lives. Something about turning to the Lord instead of ourselves. A fast literally means to empty oneself. When we fast, we are emptying ourselves and filling ourselves with the presence of God. If you feel like you have had a sin that you cannot shake, it is just harder to get rid of or harder to, to defeat and you've been trying and trying, you've been coming to church and there's just nothing that breaks through, next week we're gonna hear about this, how fasting brings breakthrough. Join us this fast. God wants to meet with you and to speak with you. Now maybe you've been on the fence, or maybe you've been avoiding the issue altogether, or maybe your, your husband's in and you're, uh, you're out, or, or maybe your wife is in and you're out, or maybe your friends are jumping in and you're just still on the fence. Can this moment be the moment where you fully jump in and say, Lord, I'm, I want what you have. I want to start 2019 with your presence. I want to experience you like never before. I'm going to sacrifice these 21 days. And yes, my body is going to have these feelings of detoxification, but that is just a pointer to showing me that my, my spirit is doing the same thing. And I may be losing something, but I'm gaining so much more. In Daniel 10, we see that. I want to just really quickly read this passage in our closing moments in Daniel 10. So this is the second instance that we see Daniel going through the Daniel fast. Through Daniel's ministry, he receives four prophecies, and this is where we see the final one coming to him, and he already received it, and he's just like shook. He has, he has no idea how to, how to respond to the vision that the Lord has given him, and look what he says. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel, who was called Belteshazzar. Its message was true, and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. And now it goes back to the first person now. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. How many days are in a week? Seven. Someone said ten. Seven. What's seven times three? Twenty-one. This is where we get 21-day fast from. So for those three weeks, I mourned. In those three weeks, the scripture tells us, I ate no choice food. Everybody say choice food. What is choice food? The best way I can describe it is this. Do you remember back in the 80s and early 90s when they used to have those um, sweepstakes where somebody would get a cart and they'd be able to go through like Toys R Us, God rest its soul. Jeffrey the Giraffe. I want to be a Toys R Us kid. Uh, or, or sometimes it would be a grocery store, and they would have a cart, a big shopping cart, and they're running through. They got like five minutes on the clock, and they can fill that cart with whatever they want. Their first choice is what we would consider choice food. So if we were going to contextualize it for our situation, we're all running to the grocery aisle and not eating choice food, but eating like black licorice, whatever nobody likes. And for those of you who like black licorice, I'll pray for you. Just kidding. But we don't eat choice food during the Daniel fast. So we don't eat meat. We, we, we follow this recipe. It says, no, he ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. He was turning aside from himself and turning towards Jesus. I'm filling myself up with you, Lord. Fruits, vegetables, no coffee. Oh, Jesus. 
no caffeine, but we're doing this for you, Lord. We're not trying to hurt ourselves or we're not trying to get the best bod we've ever had in 2019. We're doing this because we're turning away from our own desires and proving to ourselves that we get full on the presence of God. The word of God is what feeds us. And we experience breakthrough and freedom, deliverance. He speaks to us in dreams and visions and powerful, powerful ways. The words of God just pop out of the scriptures and things that we've never seen before. He speaks to us. But look what he says, continuing on. On the 24th day, verse 4, on the 24th day of the first month, how long was he fasting? 21 days. On the 24th day, is the Lord late? Nope, he's right on time. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. The Bible describes this man as, as, as his face beaming like, like topaz, his, his arms and his legs like bronze, lightning in his eyes, his voice booming as if, as if multitudes. And guess who this person is? It's the pre-incarnate Christ. It is Jesus. And he's revealing himself to Daniel through the season of the fast. He may be late, but he's right on time. And then look what it says. A hand touched me. Verse 10, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, esteemed is another word for favored. Daniel, you who are esteemed and favored, consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up. For I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. When we fast, we are humbling ourselves and we're turning our minds to gain understanding from the Lord. And heaven takes note. Heaven hears us when we pray and when we fast. And I believe that when we fast, we hear better than we've ever heard before because he needs to be our sustenance. Verse 13, look what happens. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. So for the entirety of the fast, Daniel, the prince of the Persian kingdom, who is the prince of the Persian kingdom? Uh, most commentators agree, and I would throw my hat into this side, the majority of them agree that the prince of the Persian kingdom was the way Jesus was describing a demonic force in the kingdom of Persia. Now, we just finished our series through the battle or the armor of God, and we said in Ephesians chapter 5, right from the very beginning, that our warfare is not against flesh and blood, but against spirituals and principalities, principalities of darkness. I believe that in this passage, Jesus is referring to a, a spiritual battle that was taking place in the kingdom of Persia that, that was not seen by the natural eye, but the supernatural eye. And Jesus was in the middle of fighting. So the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, a prince or a, an angel, a servant of the Lord, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future for the vision concerns a time yet to come. When we fast, there is a spiritual war going on. And the war is against you and your natural desires. 
you are going to see things arise in you. You think you are a cordial, happy-go-lucky person? Well, how are you when you are hungry? Is the Lord enough to sustain you? Are you a diva like those Snickers commercials? I throw my hat there. I am. And I want the Holy Spirit to root that out of me. I want breakthrough in 2019. I want power like never before. I want effectiveness like never before. I want success like never before. I want this church to experience deliverance and freedom and health and safety and proximity and closeness and intimacy with the Holy Spirit like never before. Is that your heart this 2019? Will you stand with me as I pray over us? In our last moments, I want to ask you this question before we pray. It's going to be on the screen. And I want you to take this question to heart. What are you trusting God to do during this Daniel fast season? I am a huge proponent of anything we start, we start with the end in mind. And I believe God's desire is to be specific this Daniel fast season and ask him or already start asking him, Lord, I, I need you to do this. Lord, my marriage is on, is, is on the rocks and we've tried things and they, and they don't work. I, I need you to fix my marriage. Lord, I, I am, I'm an anxious, ticking time bomb and I'm about to explode. I need you to deliver me from my anxiety. Lord, I got this sexual addiction, this sexual sin that I, I just cannot shake. I've confessed it and prayed about it. I, I just can't find deliverance. I, I need you to help me. Father, our finances are not where they need to be. During this Daniel fast, I, I need you to, what is it? My prayer, friend, is that you would start answering that question now. And one way that I want us to pray together, if, even if you need to remain anonymous, if you were to go on Facebook, on our website, or our, our, our page on Facebook, or even our Instagram account, and just drop us a message letting us know this is how I'm, this is what I'm believing and trusting God to do during this Daniel fast. So that every Wednesday when we gather, we can lift up your need. And if it needs to be anonymous, or even if you just want to message me and, and, and I can keep it anonymous for you, you can message me at Stephen at MWCchurch.com and I'd be happy to bring that up on Wednesday nights anonymously. But who believes God is going to do something powerful this 2019, this Daniel fast season? with our hands up. Let me just pray over us. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much that we don't fast to atone for sin. We don't fast to twist your arm. We do it so that we can turn our ear to hear you, to receive from you. And Father, if there's anybody on the fence right now or who's questioning whether or not they should be doing this, I pray, Lord, that the promise, the hope, the promise of, of what you desire to do in them and through them would be what sustains them and push them over the edge, that, that what we are losing in these 21 days would not keep us from receiving what you have for us. May we not be guilty of what Esau was guilty of, the Esau syndrome, where, where he traded in his birthright for the convenience of a bowl of soup. May we not forsake what you desire to bless us with for the temporal blessing of a bowl of soup but may we throw ourselves entirely to receiving what you have for us. May we see breakthrough. May doors of, of opportunity open. And may Jesus be the one who receives all the glory. You are faithful. You are good. When we seek you with all of our hearts, we find you. 
So we are completely seeking you. The first week of the year, this 2019, first weekend and on, we are seeking you with all of our hearts. Bless us. Bless our prayer meetings. If there's anybody who is unconvinced or is unsure, may you convince them fully now, Holy Spirit, because you desire to meet with them and bless them. We love you, Lord. We do this for you, for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, amen. Amen. God is good. God is good. God is good. Friends, God bless you. May the Lord be with you. Make sure you get those golden cupcakes in because midnight is coming. I love you guys. We'll see you next week.